Hi, friends. We'll see how this goes. Um, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the gift of your word and the opportunity to hear from it. Lord, please give me power to speak. And please build us up in the discipline of prayer. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as Kevin said when he put me on blast, tonight is a topical message on prayer. And my hope specifically tonight is to encourage you all and to motivate you all in the faithful spiritual discipline of prayer. And my reason for that is that, you know, prayer is, it's easier than fasting, you know, it doesn't hurt our stomachs so much and and we know more easily that it's important, it's a little bit more clear. But somehow we still find it very difficult to do as we ought to, even though it's one of the most important things in the Christian life. We went through praying the Bible last year and found the secret technique of praying scripture so that we aren't saying the same things over and over again, frees us from boredom. But if you're like me, you've still found that as time went on, it's still been difficult. And I think that's because there are two deeper issues that need to be addressed that we'll get at tonight. And those are awareness of need for prayer and awareness of encouraging spiritual realities for prayer. So first, awareness of need. Do we need prayer? Or more accurately, do we need God? That's an important question to ask because if we don't think that we need God, we're not going to pray. And in fact, we can all tell how much we think we need God in a certain area by how much we pray about that specific thing. Well, Scripture says that we do need to pray, and we see it clearly in the life of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 5.7 says that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. This description here isn't just talking about the Garden of Eden. This is talking about the days of his life on earth. Regularly, Christ is calling out to his Father, and these aren't passive or mechanical or casual prayers. These are loud cries and tears. Father, I need your help, please. And seeing this description in Hebrews 5-7, we see that exactly in the Gospels. So, for instance, in Mark 1-35, we see that after a long, exhausting day in ministry, Jesus still gets up early the next morning to spend time with his Father in prayer because he needs it. Luke says in Luke 5.16 that Jesus had a habit of getting away regularly, alone with God, to pray. Here we see someone who desperately needed prayer. And brethren, if Christ needed prayer as our creator and our savior, then we certainly need prayer. If you don't feel that need, something's missing, and I would encourage you to to pray for that to be filled. I, I pray each day for God to make me more aware of my need for him and more dependent on him. And someone can say that's a dangerous prayer, but it's dangerous not to be aware of that need. Okay, so we know we need to pray. But we also need motivation. Need itself is not alone sufficient. And to think about that, you know, an analogy many of you are probably already aware of is, you know, in movies when you see, like, this large building falling on top of a person and they're just kind of staring with, like, hopeless dejection and they either get crushed or get rescued. What's keeping them frozen there 
is not a lack of need. It's a lack of motivation caused by distress. And we can also be discouraged out of praying, even if we know that we ought to. And so I want to spend the rest of our time tonight talking about some tips that I've found helpful and motivating in terms of being faithful in prayer, joyfully and consistently. So first, fill your mind with loftier views of God. Fill your mind with loftier, more glorious, most truthful views of the Lord your God. You can ask, well, this is prayer. How does God fit into this? Well, he's, he's all a part of it. And that's because what we believe drives our actions. So we eat food because we believe that it will help us to live and it'll kill the hunger pains. We don't stand in the middle of busy highways because we think it's harmful to our lives. And in the same way, what you think about God determines if you pray and how you pray. So, for instance, if you don't trust that God is merciful and powerful to save, you won't pray for repentance and salvation for the lost or for those who seem to have wandered away. If you doubt that God is a loving father willing to give good gifts to his children, you'll avoid asking for good things because you don't think he's really good and eager and willing to give them. Okay, so we see that we, we need to see him rightly so we can pray rightly. How can we go about that? I have three things in particular. First, read scripture. Read scripture. This book is completely about God. If you want to know him and you want to see his amazing power, read this book. So again, some more examples. If you want boldness for evangelism, consider seeing the end of Acts chapter 4, where after enduring heavy persecution, the church comes together and prays for boldness from the Lord. God, help us, please. You see our enemies. They pray, the Spirit comes, and they go out in boldness and share the gospel. And just from personal experience, I'm encouraged by this. Every time we go out on the Saturdays to, to go out and evangelize, every single time I get there, I'm like, there's no way I can do this. This is impossible. We pray, we go out, and God equips us with strength. And he keeps doing it again and again. I'm like, there's no way he does it again. And he does it again. It's amazing. And he can do the same in you. Or thinking about strength in the midst of anxiety or sorrow. I find much encouragement from Jesus in the garden. I mean, I use this today while I was preparing this afternoon. But have you ever thought about the contrast between when Jesus enters the garden and when he leaves? When he enters the garden, he's there on his face before the Lord. So anxious and desperate about the realities of what he's going to face from man and from the wrath of God on the cross that he's sweating drops of blood. But after time in prayer, he arises, and he's more than ready to face the wrath of man and the wrath of God, even though he knows how powerful and difficult that is. So scripture is a great tool. Just, just fill and saturate your mind with these things. So that's scripture. Second, pray for God to increase your view of him. Pray for God to increase your view of him. In order to see him more fully, we need him to reveal the truth about him to us. And so we ought to ask him. And he's more than eager to answer that request with a yes. And finally, find resources that exalt the Lord. Like sermons. Find sermons that just show how powerful and glorious the Lord is. And surround yourself with them. So that's the first and probably most important point. 
The second one is understand the spiritual battle that you're facing. Understand the spiritual battle that you're facing. Ephesians 6.12 says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We all have this battle individually as God's people, and we all share it corporately, both as a local church and as the global church. But sometimes we forget this reality. And when we forget it and how powerful our enemy is, we forget our need. And if we forget our need, we don't pray. So the question arises, okay, well, how do we become more aware? Well, honestly, it's the exact same as for the first point. Read scripture. So consider, for instance, Mark 13, 22. Jesus says there, as he's warning his disciples, that false teachers will rise up and false prophets specifically to deceive the elect. These are not people who are risen up to deceive the masses. They're people risen up specifically to deceive you and to deceive me. And since the enemy is behind that, we don't have the power with our intellect to overcome that. We need the power of God. We need the power of his word. So that should move us to pray that God keeps our gospel pure in this church, that the elders continue to preach faithfully, and that none of us individually falls away from the truth of the gospel. Or 1 John 5.19 speaks of how the whole world is in the palm of the evil one. If you really want someone to repent and to believe the gospel, yes, go share truth. If they have lies that they're stuck on, use apologetics, great. But your words are not what's going to save them. God is the one who saves. You can go to a person in prison and argue him until he's convinced, but someone needs to break him out of there. And the only one who can get people out of spiritual prison is the Lord. So ask him to move. So those are some examples from Scripture. Again, pray. Ask God to to make you aware of the battle that's going on so that you don't fall asleep in prayer. And in terms of sermons to listen to, I, I highly encourage a sermon called A Warning Against Lazy Praying by Tim Conway. A Warning Against Lazy Praying by Tim Conway. I found it very encouraging and very helpful for just staying awake I return to it every now and then just to, like, jolt myself back to reality. This is important. I need to be praying. Major encouragement for praying through the directory. Third, prioritize prayer. Prioritize prayer. And that should be obvious. It kind of goes without saying, but it's so obvious that we miss it sometimes. And by prioritizing prayer, we can lead our minds and our hearts to the place where God wants us to be in faithful prayer. And so, like Jesus in Luke 5.16, set aside times daily, non-negotiable times to meet with the Lord. If you have a consistent schedule, I would encourage just getting up earlier than you usually would and get alone with the Lord and pray. I think an hour is great. If that's too much, start off small, maybe 10 minutes, and build your way up slowly. But the point is not so much a fancy amount of time as it is more time with the Lord, and we need that. Another thing that I would encourage is committing time to the prayer meetings. And I don't just mean evening service, though I think what we do here is great, but I also mean those unique times that are specifically, completely given to prayer. I think there's something special, unique, and powerful when the church gets together for an hour or so and just cries out to the Lord for help. 
When I read Acts 2.42, I see the church was devoted to prayer. A more literal translation saying, the prayers, plural. And in chapter 3, it says that there is a time, the ninth hour, known as the hour of prayer. And so I see an example in scripture where the church just takes seriously, taking time to get together, to cry out to the Lord for extended periods of time. We have many examples of that in this church that I would encourage people to go to. There's women's prayer, which happens every first Monday of the month. There is the Thursday prayer meetings where people ask for the kingdom of God to move and for his glory to be raised. That's every second Thursday of the month. And there's the prayer and fasting meetings that happen every last Saturday of the month. That's well, a lot of prayer meetings. Don't get overwhelmed, right? Pick one or pick many. If you go to them all, awesome. But whatever you do, I would encourage you to add these times to your calendar and intentionally set time so that you can regularly, with some amount of regularity, I'm not going to define what that regularity is, but with some amount of regularity, attend those prayer meetings. Fourth, craft a praying strategy. Craft a praying strategy. I find it particularly helpful to pray with intent and motivation when I have a set of things to bring before my Father. It's definitely possible to pray without having a set list of things to pray for. Uh, but you really need the spirits moving for that, and, and I find that happens much more at prayer meetings than when I'm on my own. And so get alone and make a list. Just find some time, make prayers, things to pray for for yourself, for your family, for co-workers, for the members of this church and the directory, for other churches, missionaries, for the government. And when you get that list, you can either pray through the same list daily, or you can break that list out throughout the weeks. And as you do that, remember that the goal is not so much to check off a box. Oh, I prayed through the directory today, or I did this much today. You'll fall under the weight of legalism doing that. It's a lot of pressure. The point is, however much time that you can, devote that time to the Lord. And spread those prayers out over the different important things that matter that we're told to pray for in Scripture. All right. Fifth and final thing. Know that God loves you. Know that God loves you. This is kind of a reiteration of the first point, but I think it's incredibly important. Because there's nothing that thwarts prayer like an overwhelming sense of guilt and unworthiness to approach the throne. I mean, speaking from personal experience, sometimes I just feel embarrassed coming before God. Maybe there's some sin I partook in. Maybe I'm just asking, Lord, where is the zeal today? Or sometimes I get distracted like 10 or 20 times in prayer, and that's not an exaggerated number. And it's just like, God, I, <laughs> I don't even know if I belong here. But God reminds me that he loves me. And he doesn't love me because I pray a certain amount of times in the week, or because I do or don't get distracted, or because of any deeds that I do. He loves me because of Christ. And because of that same Christ, he is eager and willing to answer my prayers. And as I recall that, even in my discouragement, I am re-encouraged, if that's a word, to continue praying faithfully. The Spirit himself helps us to remember God is our Father. It's a precious thing to remember. Well, those are the tips. I could say more, but there's not enough time. This is an evening service message. So I'll close with this, because I again want to encourage you all. I want to encourage you all with the reality that you can do this. 
you can pray, and you can pray with much love and joy and fervency for the Lord. I think there's just kind of some confusion, I feel like, over who I am. It's like, oh, Isaiah, that prayer guy. But just so we're clear, I, but a year or two ago, I was hardly aware of prayer. I didn't take it seriously. I did not understand how important it was. I thought, oh, you know, I'll kind of do it later when I level up as a Christian, whatever that means. It's not biblical. And God, in his grace and mercy, woke me up to the importance of prayer and welcomed me into his presence to pray. And I'm still amazed by that as he continues to teach me. And so don't think like, oh, he's so far. No. You have the same father I do who is eager to help you to pray. You have the same spirit that I do within you if you're in Christ. And if you ask for more of that spirit, the Lord has said he will gladly give him. So be encouraged and pray faithfully in the Lord's power. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of prayer. We don't deserve to come before you with our requests. Lord, how much less do we deserve to have a Father who's eager to hear our requests and eager to answer them with yes. But Lord, to pray faithfully, we need your Spirit. And so, Lord, we ask that you would transform our hearts and help us to pray faithfully, eagerly, lovingly, diligently, individually, and together as a church. We ask that you would do these things for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name, amen.